This job. We try to save as many people as we can. Sometimes that doesn't mean everybody. But you don't give up. New York. Washington, D.C. Sokovia. Okay, that's enough. Captain, people are afraid. That's why I'm here. We need to be put in check. Whatever form that takes, I'm game. I'm sorry, Tony. If I see a situation pointed south, I can't ignore it. Sometimes I wish I could. Sometimes I want to punch you in your perfect teeth. I know we're not perfect. But the safest hands are still our own. podcast part of the fire and water podcast network i'm your host rob kelly and this week we are here to talk about captain america civil war and joining me are two of my pals from the fire and water podcast network ryan daly ryan hello when captain america throws his mighty shield (laughs) all right now and also chris franklin sing the second verse now all those who chose to oppose his shield must yield. Nice. I was, I, I was fully. I didn't think you would necessarily have that. Very good. All right. Oh yeah. What a I bunch knew of you would. what a bunch I of nerds. So anyway, yeah, we're here to talk about Captain America: Civil War. For anyone who has not seen the movie yet, uh, a little bit of a warning. We're going to have initial opening remarks, which will be spoiler free. We will just have some very general uh, thoughts on the film. Maybe uh, you could say from a ten thousand foot level, and then we will have a very very bifurcated spoiler section. So if you haven't listened to, if you haven't seen the movie yet, and you want to hear us talk, you'll be safe for like maybe ten fifteen minutes, and then there will be a spoiler section after, so you can listen to part of the show and then come back later on. So, guys, let Ryan, let's start with you. What did you think of Captain America: Civil War? I uh, loved it. The simplest answer is just I absolutely loved it. I'm not sure if it's my favorite of the Marvel Studios movies so far, but if it's not, it's my second favorite. And it's pretty close. It's pretty neck and neck with Captain America Winter Soldier. 
Um, I going into the movie, I had three concerns, and I'll I'll keep this spoiler free, but I'll just say my my first concern was Black Panther, because Black Panther is one of my all time favorite Marvel superheroes. And I was so excited when they announced that he would be in the movie. I thought Chadwick Boseman was great casting when I heard about it. And then a couple months later, they said, oh, Spider-Man is also going to be in the movie. And I got really afraid that Spider-Man was going to steal Black Panther's thunder. Mm. And again, no spoilers, but that did not happen. Uh, I loved the way Black Panther was used in the movie. Uh, my second fear, I also really like Falcon, and I like Falcon as Captain America's partner. And I thought, just based on the previews, that they were going to be integrating Bucky and Winter Soldier like on Cap's side, and I thought he was going to steal more of Falcon's thunder. That theory was, or that fear was kind of baseless, because I thought they did great work with Falcon in this one. He was a great lieutenant. He had a lot of great action, a lot of great humor. And my third fear was the actual war scene, like the, the notorious airport battle. The clips that they showed of it from the early trailers, I didn't think it looked that good. I thought it was going to look kind of like a silly five-on-five five basketball game because <laughs> yeah. it was all the wide shots of them kind of in this just big open area. And I was like, you're not going to get the scale. You're not going to – it's not going to feel as epic as it feels. It's just going to feel – it's, it's going to look more kind of isolated and obscure. Well – Boy, was that one wrong too? Because that battle just it blows like blows everything else away. Uh, so yeah, my three main concerns all put to rest easily. Um, yeah, and I've already talked too much. So Chris, I'll, I'll put it. Who else? Chris, what did you think? <laughs> oh, I I loved it. I'm I'm with Ryan. It's it's might it might be it, if it's not number one, it's number two. I think number one is reserved for Captain America: The First Avenger for me. Uh, that's my favorite Marvel film. So uh, this one's like right underneath that right now. Of course, you know we're we're in the afterglow still. But it, either way, I loved it. And uh, my my the only thing that I was a little afraid of was that it would adhere to the comic book version of Civil War, which I am not a fan of. Uh, <laughs> I, I had I had hope that the uh, the the Marvel movie team would uh, use the title and and kind of a, a premise from it, and that was it. And without getting too spoilery, yeah, that's what they did. So, uh, and I, I'm with you, Ryan. I mean, I, I like the idea of all the, the heroes and you know fighting each other. But I mean, I, I literally, when they're all running toward each other, I just wanted to say the challenge of the super friends. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's just and it's just you know sound effects, with, you know, as, as they collide, you know. But and I mean, you did get a little of that. But I mean, but the the fight was just. I mean, it, I think superhero fights. And movies are over at this point. <laughs> I can't see it getting any better. So, yeah. That's but it was, interesting. you know, surprisingly, there's a lot more to it than than that, which is great. Mm-hmm. That's interesting that you say that because, yeah, I don't see where you'd go with superhero fights after this. I really don't. I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, I went into this movie, you know, I've said before on, on Fire and Water and stuff that, like, the Marvel movies I enjoy. I've seen every single one of them all 15 or however many there have been at this point. And other than Guardians of the Galaxy and the Captain America movies, I don't feel a whole lot. I just kind of watch them and I go, eh, that's pretty good. And then I forget all about it. You know, like, I couldn't tell you what happened in Thor The Dark World. I, I literally couldn't tell you. I, have no, I saw it, but I have no memory of it. Um, 
And so I was kind of like, well, all right, this seems like a weird – I'm not a big fan of Civil War either. I was like, oh, okay, this is the road down. Why are all the heroes fighting? Why are why are every – why is every movie the superheroes fighting? Um <laughs> But yeah, I watch it, and then I, I like with Ryan. I was worried that yeah, Black Panther was going to get kind of overshadowed by Spider Man because it's like, you know, how can Spider Man help but overshadow everybody? Uh, and I love Black Panther, you know. And I was like, you know, you don't even need to have Spider Man in this movie. I'd be happy with Black Panther. But man, they managed to find a great moment for everyone in this film. Mm-hmm. And this is my second favorite Marvel film. I still have Guardians of the Galaxy as my favorite, but. Like, this film is either, however you want to classify it, the third Captain America movie, or if you want to, you can call it the third Avengers movie. In either case, it is my favorite Avengers movie and my favorite Cap movie. (laughs) And how many film franchises is the third one your favorite? None. I can't, yeah, I, yeah. There you go, John. Of course. <laughs> I mean, really. I mean, what are the odds of that? I mean, I have actually liked each Cap movie more than the previous one. That's never happened before. I can't think of a single movie franchise where that's been the case. It's just unbelievable, and I am so impressed by. It. I thought the Russo brothers did a great job as directors, but I really, really am impressed by the screenwriters. Mm-hmm. Uh, and these guys are Christopher Marcus and Stephen McFeely, and I'm sure there were 19 other people involved. But I get the feeling that like, when they sat down to write this movie and they realized, okay, we're going to have 15 people in this movie, we got to make sure everybody gets a great moment. Mm-hmm. And they did that, and that made it feel like – it made it feel like this movie's not crowded. It's not overstuffed. It's everybody gets something really cool to do, and it all comes together in that scene that we're talking about in the parking – in the the air the airport where it really is just like – this is – and I wrote this in my review for – when I wrote for 13th Dimension. To me, that scene is Marvel Comics. Mm-hmm. It's, it's the promise of every Marvel comic that you bought when you were nine off the stands, you know, and you're like, wow, that's an amazing cover. What's going to happen inside that? And it ne- almost never lives up to what the cover is, but that's the point. But, like, to me, that's what that fight scene is. It's like everything Jack Kirby imagined in 1964, and here it is in live action. It's mm-hmm. unbelievable. <laughs> it's interesting that you brought up the whether it's the third Captain America movie or it's the third Avengers movie, because that was actually my biggest question when I left the theater was, was this movie appropriately titled? (laughs) Is this Captain America's movie or is it an Avengers movie with Captain America as the lead? And the argument that you make is that the, the plot is definitely driven by Captain America's actions. It's his choices. He is certainly the protagonist, but when I heard that they were going to be crowding more characters in this one than in Age of Ultron, and one of the complaints about Age of Ultron was that it didn't balance the characters very well. Um, and I don't necessarily agree with that, but I, I do understand the, those fears. And this one had more. And I was like, but you know what? Ant-Man doesn't need his own plot line in this movie. Hawkeye doesn't need his own story. They only need one great moment in that battle sequence. And they got at least one in some cases. But... Step up, like apart from that, Captain America has his own plot, his own story in this movie. Tony Stark has his own plot, his own issues going on in this movie that are not just reactive to what Captain America is doing. He's got his own story. Scarlet Witch has her own. It's much smaller, but she has her own little storyline. And the ultimate villain of the piece has his own little storyline. So this is 
it's it, Captain America is definitely the protagonist. It's his story driving it, but there's more than just him too. It is more of a ensemble with a lot of moving pieces. So I don't know if you can call it Avengers Civil War. Um, and I talked to you know a former guest on the Film and Water podcast, Nathaniel Wayne, and I were talking about it. should it have just been called Marvel Civil War? Is it a branding issue? Do you want to tag on Captain America because people know who that is? I, I don't know. These are just weird questions. I just I'm still not sure because I think I would say Captain America: Winter Soldier is the better Captain America movie, but this is definitely the best Avengers movie. Mm. So. Uh, it's just a weird and and again none of these things really bother me if this is my biggest complaint about the movie that's ridiculous <laughs> but <laughs> well, it, but it kind of is and that's rob you you've mentioned this on numerous other podcasts like the the phrase and i don't remember who's it, who it's attributed to but a great movie has at least 3 good scenes oh, and yeah, howard hawks scenes. yeah howard yeah, hawks yeah. a great movie has 3 good scenes and no bad scenes I have no bad scenes in this movie. There wasn't a single thing in the movie that bothered me or upset me. There are things I might question. There are things that I might be kind of ambivalent to. But nothing about this movie bothered me or or made me think that was a wrong note to play. And I haven't said that about any of the Marvel movies since the very first Iron Man. That's incredible. And for a two and a half hour movie on top of it. Yeah. 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 With 19 feature characters. <laughs> <laughs> That, that's what's so amazing to me is that, that not only do they juggle the characters, but the shifts in tone from this movie. I mean, it, you know, there's some heavy stuff. There's some heavy, just like the Winter Soldier, Soldier there's some heavy real-world stuff in it, but it doesn't get bogged down in that. You still are watching a superhero movie. There's still plenty of superhero action. There's some laugh-out-loud hilarious moments between the characters. I mean, that it, both times I saw it, I mean, the entire theater you know, was just chuckling along with it. And I mean, it's these guys, uh, the, the, the screenwriters who have written all the Captain America movies, which is in it, that in and of itself is amazing. How many franchises keep the same writer across three movies mm-hmm. that never, that never happens. Um, they Trump. have, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, I mean, you know, the fact that they managed to, to work all the characters in that they were able to, shifted from, you know, like a very serious dramatic moment to this just just incredible action sequence to this really funny character bit and and it all worked together is just I mean it, I'm like you there's nothing I can I can't point out a single thing that says yeah that kind of jumped out at me as wrong or something I mean it was just I was just sitting there with a big stupid grin on my face for two and a half hours you know so. You, you mentioned about the, the funny stuff. I laughed out loud more times in this movie than I have at entire comedies. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I've seen com- I've seen movies that are full on comedies where I went, ah, yeah, like, oh, all right. Yeah, that ah, was kind of funny. But I laughed out loud at least a dozen times. I mean, whether it's. The Winter Soldier and Falcon's petty squabbling, you know, <laughs> like, can you yeah. move the seat up? No. no. You know, uh, yeah. there's there, there's a scene where uh, I'm not going to spoil it, but there's a scene in the big fight where something happens and I just instinctively yelled at, not yelled at, but inst- I was with my nephew, but I instinctively just blurted out, holy shit. And then and two then, seconds later, Spider-Man says that exact line. I, know, I love that moment. <laughs> it's like, I'm like, I, I had giant, big laughs at this movie. And I'm like, 
and this is a movie with, as you say, very heavy stuff, very heavy themes. Um, there's a scene with Alfre Woodard, who just gets one scene with Tony mm-hmm. Stark, which I thought was brushing up against the sort of Black Lives Matter uh, sort of movement, you know, because it suggests, you know, hey, all you kind of, these, you know, rich white superheroes are running around having adventures. My, my son is dead. Uh, you know, like that. It, it, and I feel like it, it touched on that because that's what's really going on in the world without hitting you over the head with it. It's right. just here's this woman and she's, you know, and, per, and the perfect actress to get for that mm-hmm. scene of someone who, you know, is like ramrod straight and is has the ability to give Tony Stark a bunch of crap. Mm-hmm. You know, somebody that could stand there and be toe to toe with this guy who's Iron Man and yet she's not afraid. That's a tremendous scene. It's just. Like, yeah, you, you mentioned, like, the big stupid grin. I said the same thing. It was just like, I just enjoyed the living hell out of this. And we'll get to it in the spoilers, but just as a general comment, Chris, you mentioned this a while back, and I've credited you every time because, it's to me, it's so wise. The casting of Chris Evans mm-hmm. as Captain America is of a par with Christopher Reeve as Superman. It yes. is that perfect – and it is that essential to the Marvel Universe. And I could, no kidding, watch another six movies of him as Captain America. Mm-hmm. Oh, if, yeah. If, when, when I heard him say that he basically told Marvel, I'm in for this as long as you want. I'll be Cap as many times as you want me to be Cap. I'm like, hallelujah. This <laughs> guy is so good that I, like, really, if they said we are doing six more Cap, we're going to, you know, like Avatar, we're going to do six more of these cat movies, I'd be like, I'm going to see everyone as long as Chris Evans is Captain America. He is that good. He is such the center of this universe, and it is just flawed. And they got lucky. I mean, they got lucky in that who knew he would be that good, but they also knew to choose him. Mm-hmm. And, the, and the good thing is, with Marvel's ability to digitally de-age their actors in the last <laughs> two movies, they can, he can play Captain America until he's 80, and they can keep <laughs> making him look like he's 30. We, we, can, we can get Indiana Jones movies now for the next 50 years. What does it matter? They can, they can just make Harrison Ford look that young. There was something else, too, that you, you mentioned about, like, there were times in the movie where some little thing would come up where in my brain I'd go, that's a little hinky. Or I'd be like, hey, did they forget about? And then that question would be answered. And I'm like, ah, they, they, you know, they got it. Like, that scene you mentioned with the young Tony Stark those effects looked a little dodgy to me. Like, I, I mean, obviously, you know, you, you just know, well, I know that Robert Downey Jr. is not that young, but like, it looked a little fudgy to me. And then when you realize, oh, it's a computer simulation inside the reality of this movie, I'm like, oh, well then it's fine that that effect is a little hinky because they're not trying to pass it off. It's like every time I had just a little bit of a, huh, it would then get answered. And I was like, man, these, again, this screenplay is so in, in, in a genre where screenplay is the least important thing, <laughs> I really feel like they paid a lot of attention to making sure the screenplay was right, and that is so impressive. Yeah, it seems like they polished the living crap out of it. I mean, it's like they really, they really fine-tuned it before they started filming, which is incredible considering from what I've read, this went through a lot of changes as they were filming even because they didn't know if they were going to get Spider-Man and and when they thought they weren't going to get Spider-Man, they bumped up the Black Panthers part. And then when they when they found out they were going to get Spider-Man, they really liked what they'd done with the Black Panthers. So they kept it, and then they had to figure out what to do with Spider-Man. And apparently Tom Holland's scenes were some of the last that were shot. And, I mean, it, it's, it, it's amazing that, you know, 
that they, they pulled it off and they pulled it off so well. And it just, it, it just, uh, there's so many great little moments and it, it's not, there's nothing that jumps out at you. Like you said, it's like, Oh, well, they kind of forgot about this. Every, there's so many callbacks throughout the, I mean, there's, you know, obviously even lines from, from, <laughs> from the previous movies, like at the very end of the movie that, that, that come back up. And it's, I mean, that's the thing. I mean, it, it really, that's another thing that makes it feel like when Marvel was really on top of their game back in the, especially in the seventies uh, through the eighties, when the continuity meant so much to them and they would, you know, you get the little footnotes in the, in the corner and it would, there'd be callbacks to, you know, when you had guys like Roy Thomas in charge mm-hmm. and there'd be callbacks to, you know, previous stories and nothing that was left laying was off the table to to bring back and use again, and that's what it felt like here. But it was all very organic. Is there anything else that we want to get to before we talk to talking spoilers? Just the overall, I, I think we all loved it. It's it's really it's really really good. <laughs> yeah. yeah, if you're if you're listening to the, any of the shows on the Fire and Water Podcast Network, and we assume that you're a comic book nerd by doing so. You're gonna to want to see this movie, so go see it. Like that'll be the, the blanket review. Go see this movie; it is so much fun. But so now, let's jump into spoilers. So we're gonna have a little break here. You you'll be a little the theme from Captain America's '60s cartoon. You enjoy that, and at the other side, we will be doing spoilers. So uh, for the and again, if you haven't seen the movie, stop here. If you have, join us 45 seconds from now. When Captain America throws his mighty shield. All right, and now we're back. So now it's spoilerific time. Yeah. Guys, yeah, what do we want to talk about in this? Spo- I can't believe they killed Captain America. What the <laughs> hell? <laughs> I feel like I have two words giant man. Yeah. <laughs> The Lego Giant set. Ant-Man. Yeah. The, the Lego set spoiled that though. There was a Lego set out like two months ago that had freaking Giant Man in really? it. Really? Oh, I didn't know that at all. Oh, yeah. wow. Okay. Oh, it ticked me off. <laughs> yeah, I, I knew that was coming too. Oh, I did you? Oh, wow. Oh, I feel so lucky then. I had no idea. Because when, when there's that scene of Ant Man where he's talking about, he's like, that thing that I did once before and I passed out. I thought he was talking about going into that microverse mm-hmm. that he did in Ant-Man. And I thought, oh, he's going to grab Iron Man and drag him into that weird microverse. But then what he grew, that's the scene where I went, holy shit. <laughs> and then for Spider-Man to go, holy shit. I was like, <laughs> oh, my God. And, like, this is the best Spider-Man I've ever seen in a movie. Yeah. 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 I mean, ugh. <laughs> I mean, just... and, and for me, like... I haven't had a problem with either of the last two Spider-Mans. I thought Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man was great when it was out. I thought mm-hmm. the the last one with the actor whose name I'm forgetting now. Andrew Garfield. Garfield. Andrew, Garfield. Andrew Garfield, thank you. Uh, I thought he did a good job as Spider-Man too. But this one feels right for this universe. Um, it's a great little, like, they did such well. And even the scene before he's Spider-Man, the scene with him and Tony in his room. Oh, uh, <laughs> so good. It, it was just a great introduction to the character. You get a sense that they're going to be like the science bros because Banner Hulk is out of the picture for for right now. So they can talk like science stuff. Um, my wife actually pointed out, and she's a huge Spider-Man fan, she actually pointed out the most brilliant thing of the movie with Spider-Man was that they said with great power comes great responsibility without actually saying it. Yes. They got that point across when he said, he said his line is something to the effect of, 
when you can do the things that I do and you don't do them and bad things happen, it's your fault. And yep. that was enough. They trust the audience who's going to know what he's talking about. And also because I think the line with great power comes great responsibility, that line belongs in a Spider-Man movie. And we right. will get that next year. Yep. So, yeah, uh, I, I thought they played that perfectly. Yeah. I also like that when Peter said that to Tony, he was kind of smacking him upside the head with Cap's philosophy, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> yeah, actually, which, yeah. you, you got a little bit of a shot of Robert Downey Jr. kind of like, hmm, you know, <laughs> when he said that. I, I, I like that. It was very subtle, but it was but it was there. So, and this is Captain America's movie. So, <laughs> and we're, we've learned that Tony Stark is going to be in Spider-Man Homecoming. Right. Uh, so I, I am willing to lay money down. There is no way he is not uh, betting down Aunt May. Oh, in totally. the movie. <laughs> I mean, there was like not, I mean, it was like having Shag in the scene. I mean, he just kept commenting about how hot Aunt May was. I mean, they, I think he literally calls her Aunt Hottie at one point. Yeah, yeah, right, right. yeah. you're unusually yeah. attractive aunt. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah I, I, you know, what was really funny too. Was like when again, I love the 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 sort of the the construction of it. Like, first of all, all the um the place cards of the where we're at, you know, Berlin. Uh, mm-hmm. Laos or whatever, and then when you have oh, Tony, you have to, yeah, that's right. And when you have Tony Stark say, "I know a guy, Queens," and I was like, yeah. I, "I know what this is." You know, I was just so excited. Yeah. <laughs> but again, the thing with like with Ant Man, like Ant Man turning into Giant Man, I love it's like the idea of Ant Man being in this realm of these powerhouses is ridiculous. But yeah. then you're like, you give him the thing he can do. He crawls into Iron Man's uniform and starts tearing crap up. Like, yes, that's what makes Ant-Man a reasonable character. It's like, that's how it works. And I love him, Paul Rudd. I, I keep shaking your hand, Cap. I can't stop. I know this <laughs> yeah. is like, I love that hero worship idea. I love Rob, that. He, yeah. how, how did Ant-Man get in Iron Man's suit? Oh, on, the, on Hawkeye's bow and arrow, arrow. Right, off, right off the <laughs> yeah. cover of Avengers 223. Yeah, it was like, we, t- we talked about that when we yeah. did the episode. Oh, oh, it was just so, that, I, you know, it's funny. I've mentioned before, like, Superman Returns. Uh, I like that movie, even though I recognize it's deeply flawed. Mm-hmm. But, like, to me, the scene of Superman rescuing the plane oh, is yeah. the greatest Superman scene ever put to film. Unfortunately, the film leading up to it and the film following it can't live up to that sequence. That sequence is so brilliant. I felt like this movie has that brilliant a sequence, but the stuff before and stuff after is good of its own level. And that's what, to me, I'm like, this really is one of the best Marvel movies they've ever done. And that is, again, what a miracle at this stage for that to happen. Mm. And about the, with the airport scene, like I, because I was wondering it, because even as it's going on and I was somehow able to kind of detach myself. I'm like, this is the act two climax. What are they going to do to top this? And <laughs> the way that they, the way that I think they actually do top it and do it effectively was even amongst all that spectacle and all the bombast of these six heroes on each side, these, these 12 guys fighting each other, you do know that they are holding back because they don't want to do this. Mm-hmm. What that... What the battle has in its spectacle, it doesn't really have in heart. The emotion isn't in that fight yet. But the emotion is there in the ending battle between Tony and Cap and Bucky. And mm-hmm. that's why, I, I mean, the, like that, the final confrontation between those three guys, I was, I was there and I was so hooked into it. 
um, everything leading up to that, and and actually the moment in the fight. And I, I mean, I don't know. Do we want to switch gear? Do we want to leave the the fight? Or I'm kind uh, of I'm, no, I'm, I'm taking I'm, it in a different. But okay, so when they're in the last battle, when Tony and Cap and Buck they're all fighting, Tony grabs Bucky at one time after he has discovered the truth that the Winter Soldier killed his parents. And he grabs Bucky and he says, do you even remember them? And Bucky says, I remember all of them. Yeah. And I, like, I, I think my jaw dropped and I was like, oh my God, I think Winter Soldier for that second became my favorite character in the movie. <laughs> and, I, and I loved all the characters in this movie. But I was like, oh, that crushed me. And, and, and yeah, and that, that was the scene. Like at that moment, like that last fight, it wasn't as big, but it was more personal. And yes, that's what the Civil yeah. War really was. It, it wasn't going to be about international law. That wasn't going to destroy the Avengers. It was this secret. It was the secret between two friends and these, these loyalties. And the fact that Tony wanted to kill Bucky out of revenge. And Cap was desperate to stop him at any cost. Oh, like, yeah, again, like every note, the screenplay just nailed me again and again and again. Oh, man, when Iron Man blows off Winter Soldier's arm, I'm like, okay, oh, he's, yeah. not, he's not dicking around anymore. Now, Chris, Chris, like me, did you worry that, like, just for a half second, when Cap was sh- shiving his shield into our, Tony's chest, and he was looking really mad, that I'm like, are they going to go there with Captain America? Did you worry about that? I did for half, for a half second. I he's going like, to go barren, barren blood on his ass. Yes, uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, for just a split second. And if it had been the other way around, I think you might have got that. Because one thing I will, you know, as much as I love Evans, and, and of course everybody always, you know, they love uh, Downey as, as, as Tony Stark. But I, I do like that, you know, he's, he's kind of, I mean, he's kind of the heavy in this. You know, I mean, I've seen other people say, well, you know, I can kind of see his point. But... You know, because this is Captain America's movie, and maybe maybe this is biased, but the way I saw it, because I'm more of a Cap fan, is you know Tony he's always he's always inside his own head too much. You know, it, it, and throughout the movies, you know, somebody says, "Well, this is a problem. He has to fix it." His and, and Black Widow even says, "Can you see past your ego for one damn second? <laughs> you know, and I mean that's his whole problem, and he's so wrapped up in his own head that you know he's. He's he's kind of tried to bully his friends into doing you know what he wants, and at the end that's you know when Cap says I can do this all day. Well now Iron Man's the bully. He's the bully from the first movie, you know, and even like a like a petulant little bully when Cap kicks his ass, he's like, you don't deserve that. My dad made it, you know, <laughs> <laughs> and and so Cap just drops it and leaves it, you know. I mean it it really feels like. You know, Ralphie just beat the shit out of Scott Farkas. You know, I mean, that's... that's he has yellow eyes! He has yellow eyes! <laughs> he, he, he had a repulsor ray, so help me God a repulsor ray. <laughs> but, but, I mean, it, it just... It, I gotta give Downey and the writers credit. They went there with with Iron Man. And Iron Man obviously sells a lot of toys. He sells a lot of t-shirts. And they kind of made him the bad guy. You know, I mean... It, uh, you know, I mean, you, you can say, well, yeah, you can see the... Because it went way beyond, it wasn't really even about the accords, like Ryan was saying. It was about this personal, you know, and, 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 and obviously Tony really realizes that Bucky had no idea what he was doing when he did it. That doesn't matter. He still wants to kill him, you know? And, I mean, he, he even when he blasts Falcon after Rhodey's hurt, you know, Falcon's like, oh, I'm so sorry, and he just 
freaking shoots him with a repulsor ray right in the chest. Without even thinking about it. Just knocks him out, yeah. That's where he's at. So he's in a very bad place already, and then this sends him over, you know. There was actually... I almost wondered if they... If they... They did so much to justify Tony's behavior that I wondered if it, the the actual the sort of philosophical political debate of the the Sokovia Accords, if it was a little imbalanced. They did so much to convince you that Tony was justified, so that they could explain why he is the antagonist. He's not the bad guy, but he is the antagonist. He's the one standing in Cap's way, and they they did so much to show you why he would do the things they did. And I'm not sure, other than Cap, you know, basically saying, you know, free will, personal accountability, I don't know if they really gave him more of those moments to show why he would do it. And when, when they did it, it was a little bit understated. Like when he's talking, when, they, when the, the JSOC team is going to arrest or actually shoot and kill Bucky in Bucharest, and Cap tells Black Widow, he's like, I, I have to go and do it myself because I'm the only one who can get him out alive. Uh, but things, the other moments like... When, when they're at the table and Secretary of State Ross, Thunderbolt Ross, says, have you seen Thor and, and the Hulk lately? Do you know where they are? If I misplaced a couple of 30 megaton nukes, don't you think people would be pissed off? And, and Cap just lets that line go. And I wanted him to say, but the difference is those are people. And ultimately that's the, that's the issue with – Wanda, too, because they're treating her like she's a weapon of mass destruction. And mm-hmm. Cap sort of tells tells uh, Tony she's just a kid, but the line is a little bit kind of run over while they're, while they're arguing. And I don't think I, – re- I really wanted a little bit more hearing him – maybe a little bit more speechifying, just a little bit, another, another moment like that. Where he kind of says, "It's like you're you're talking about interning people. Yes, they have these powers, but this isn't right. What you want to do to us, the way you're treating us." So, right, yeah, and, and you know, it's it, and Cap was already against it before Bucky was even involved in it. You know, so I mean, I, I thought that was you know it was kind of interesting how how things worked in that direction. Yeah, that that might be one thing I wish they'd kind of had explained. I mean, I think they kind of did. I mean, I think that's one reason why they gave, they you know, they had uh, Sharon give uh, Peggy's speech that she you know had told her, and mm-hmm. uh, so that would motivate Cap, you know, and and even more to to stand his ground and plant his feet in the ground, as she said. Uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, it it uh, I, yeah, I can I could see that, but it it the the. the <sighs> I don't know. It's just, and I, I agree that Tony's not really. I, I said bad guy. I should have said antagonist. But I don't know. Toward the end, though, he was so. I mean, and you can understand. I mean, especially when you actually had to watch your parents be murdered. Uh, but it's still. I mean, it's like you know, there was just. Again, he was. He was way too inside his head, and that's how Downey has played the character. And it. It actually. I mean, you can see the Tony Stark from the other films. Going there. I mean, it wasn't this heel turn out of nowhere. It was, again, a very natural progression from the other movies. Yeah, I mean, I was with, I was on Cap, I was Team Cap through the whole movie, but I saw Tony's argument. You know, I was like, okay, I, his, his argument is, I'm trying to stave off something worse. So, mm-hmm. and I was like, okay, I don't agree with that, but I buy it. 
I, I mm-hmm. buy that as a reasonable argument. And so I thought, again, really good screenwriting. And something else, too. This is one of the rare movies where the, the movie, to me, is better than the trailer. Because the trailer made it sound as though that the fight between Cap and Iron Man was going to be overturning over Bucky. And that made me kind of go, really? Because I, don't, I didn't feel a damn thing when Bucky died in Winter in uh, the first movie. Because I felt like we'd spent ten minutes with him. And I was like, he's dead now. I'm like, okay. Was that like in the comics? It's, it was, you know, you really, there's some emotional heft to it. But I felt in the movie, I was like, okay, that was supposed to be some big moment. And it just didn't land for me. So then when he comes back in Winter Soldier, I was like, okay, I don't find this all this torturous for Cap because I'm just not feeling it. And I thought, boy, are they going to hinge a whole movie on. Cap's relationship with Bucky, but it's not. It's it's about something else entirely. And as you just said, Chris, all this stuff happens before Winter Soldier even comes into it. So mm-hmm. it's like, wow, they act. This movie is actually more complex than the trailer suggests, which is unbelievable. Again, another thing that never happens. You know? Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm glad Seb- Sebastian Stan. You know, I know in Winter Soldier he didn't get to. Uh, you know, he was just kind of almost the 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 object in the movie that everybody was kind of after, you know, because he's obviously was, you know, brainwashed through most of the film. But, you know, when Ryan pointed out what the, the line he said in when he was fighting Iron Man, that, that I really thought he did a great job, you know, balancing the, the Bucky that's obviously, you know, he, he doesn't even want to act like he knows who Steve is because he doesn't want to drag Steve into it. He, he's decided to, you know, deal with this on his own. He doesn't want to drag his friends down into this mess. And he even says so as they're, they're flying to Siberia. You know, it's like, am I really worth all this trouble? And, but then, you know, then he also, he, he pulls across when he's in, you know, kill bot mode. He, he pulls that off great too. I mean, when he, you know, punches through the, 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 the helicopter, uh, the canopy, I mean, and, and just choking cap, you know, it's like, he looks like he could just, you know, like pop his neck off, you know, I mean, it's, <laughs> It's you know, and, and of course the the helicopter uh, when Cap's got a hold of the helicopter that was Cindy's favorite scene in the movie. Oh my yeah. god! <laughs> oh, I mean, I have to say that was like, man, that dude is in shape. Yeah. yeah. Oh, and that's such a great Cap moment. Just a pure. That's how strong this guy is, and that's how sort of impervious to danger he is. That he's going to try and do this, <laughs> hold a helicopter in place with his fingers. I mean, that's yeah. just so. It's such a Cap thing to do. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, 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 yeah. The, the, it's, it's like after I saw it, I was just like, man, that was terrific, and it, I really do want to see it again. I, you now you've seen it twice now, Chris, right? Yep. Did it, it did it did it work just as well for you the second time? It worked better for me the second time uh-huh. because I actually didn't have to worry about Cap dying. I was really worried that they were going to kill him off. I mean, I knew they'd bring him back because you know in this. Infinity War, you know, you know, like anybody can come back. I'm, I'm assuming, but, um, you know, because I'm sure it has something to do with death. Thanos has always got a, you know, the Jones for death or whatever. But, um, yeah, I, w- I was able to just kind of sit back and relax and not be worried about that aspect of it. And it's funny because in both both times I saw it, I mean, the line, the funny lines all got laughs from everybody. But uh, in our local theater, when Ant Man, when Paul Rudd showed up, you know, they opened the van. Paul Red steps out. There were people behind us went, Ant Man, Ant Man. <laughs> it's like, who would have ever thought anybody would be excited to see Ant Man? <laughs> that, that's like a what if story, you know? Just, like, yeah. Yeah. just what me if and three other guys. 
Yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> I guess they didn't know he was in it, so they were excited to see Ant Man. <laughs> that's un- yeah, that is unbelievable. And you, oh, there's so much stuff I want to get to, but I do want to I, before I forget the Black Panther. Oh. What did what did everybody, what did what did everybody think of the intro? Because I've always loved the Black Panther. I was to me he's one of the underrated characters. I'm so happy he's getting his own movie. He doesn't have a lot to do here. He doesn't say very much. But I really like the first shot of Chadwick Boseman from over the shoulder. Just just the positioning. I'm like, hey, that's Black Panther. Like I I immediately like it. It worked for me as a very low key introduction to something later on. Hmm. I don't – I mean you say he doesn't have a lot to do – he's not a cameo. I think he definitely has an important part in this, and it's and it's funny because his part in this really has nothing to do with the Accords. I, I do think this movie kind of has two different plots, and, and we can get to that later because I do want to talk about Zemo uh, before we end this. Um, but yeah, Black Panther, I, I loved him. I loved his action beats. I Chadwick Boseman's performance, incredible. I didn't know what they were going to do with the accent, but I thought it sounded great. He looked regal, even when he's talking to his father. Um, and just, yeah, his his goal, his journey, he doesn't care about their petty squabbling. He wants to kill somebody. He is in this for revenge. And I, actually, one of my favorite moments with him is during the airport fight, when Hawkeye like fires two arrows at him and, and he just catches the arrows and they explode in front in his face and it doesn't phase him. And Hawkeye goes, We haven't met yet. I'm Clint. And Panther goes, I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> like, just, I was like, Are you like and it's just yeah, he's like, You're in my way. Get out, move so I can kill that guy. And I love every. I love the fact that he followed them. That he had his own little stealth jet. That he followed Tony to the final thing, and he didn't care when they started fighting in like the thing. That wasn't part of his journey. He was there to go after the villain, and the way they set him up for the next one. Yeah, every scene with Black Panther, I thought they nailed it. I was worried that that Spider Man was going to take too much of his thunder. Nope, that that was not the case. Um, yeah, I am so happy for. For Black Panther, the movie directed by Ryan Coogler, who oh. directed Creed last year. Yeah. Creed was Ooh. my second favorite movie last year. Oh. So I am, yeah, I'm pumped for that. I love the character, and I think they nailed it. I'm so excited and so happy. Yeah, just because because up until this point, Captain America has been my favorite character in the Marvel movies. Um, he's one of my favorite characters in the comics too, but he's been consistently my favorite character in the movies. And now that. I think just in his little time, Black Panther has has leaped over him. Wow. I love that when they're firing at him and he's bulletproof. And they don't even explain that. You're just like, okay, look, the suit's bulletproof. Mm -hmm. I I don't need all this explained to me. It's fine. And and I kind of liked it. It just made him seem that much more badass. And I love that, again, this is something else that they show but they don't get too deep into, that he scratches up Cap's shield. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I love that. That they just – you're just like, holy crap. There is something that can mess up Cap Shield. It's and, vibranium on vibranium. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it just. Yeah. Oh, I thought it was just terrific. And again, I thought Chadwick Boseman did a great job. I, I thought it was. Um, yeah. The, the, I mentioned earlier about like you know scenes where I got a little like what's happening, and then they pay it off. When Black Panther is in that in that scene in the the, the at the end in the base in Siberia, and then he sort of disappears. I literally thought they forgot about him. 
Yeah. I was like, mm. wait a minute. Did they just forget that Black Panther is here? Because he's not fighting. And then you cut to Zemo listening to his phone message. And there's Black Panther. I'm like, no. Okay, they didn't forget. Like, it, they, it was just like, again, such great screenplay, screenwriting. That it's like, yeah, we okay, yeah, you forgot it. You, you forgot Black Panther's here. No, 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 we didn't, because he's gonna come in here and he's gonna make sure Baron Zemo doesn't eat a bullet. You know, it was like, oh, mm-hmm. it's perfect. Yeah, and and I thought I thought it was great that you know his his arc kind of ended. He his his thirst for vengeance transferred over to Tony, and he saw the ugliness of all of it, and you know stopped Zemo from you know making his way into martyrdom. <laughs> yes, <laughs> which I thought was a very nice poetic touch. Um, yeah. At the end, and and I really, I really liked uh, Black Panther and Chadwick Boseman in this. And you know, there's things like I, I don't know should Black Panther be fast enough to outrun cars? I don't care. It looked awesome. You know, <laughs> like, and you know, I mean, Cap and Bucky. Okay, I can, I, I know Cap can be, but I, you know, the but that scene was just that that chase scene was just fantastic when Bucky grabbed that motorcycle. Oh man, <laughs> people, people in the theater were like, whoa. <laughs> Yeah, I mean the whole thing where he was like stopping himself with his metal arm. I mean they did some really cool stuff with you know, and Spider Man of course was impressed with the metal arm. But I just <laughs> I, I love the you know we talked about Falcon and and, and Bucky, uh, but uh, already. But when they're running through the airport and Spidey's climbing on the glass outside, and Bucky's like, "What the hell is that?" And he's like, "Everybody's got a gimmick these days." <laughs> just just so many great lines, but. You know, I, oh, I thought. Oh, go ahead, go ahead. I just, I just wanted to interject really quickly. The one thing about when he was fighting Falcon and Winter Soldier is now I hope that Vulture is not the first villain we get in a Spider-Man movie because I've oh. already seen that fight now. Right, mm. that's that's true. Yeah, pretty much the same gimmick. Yeah, yep. and uh, yeah, but yeah, Black Panther. I mean, the, I thought the suit looked fantastic, and and uh, you know, and 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 the setup with him because I mean, now you've got. You know, now you've got another bo- a person that can, you know, help back these outlaw Avengers that Cap's leading. <laughs> so, I mean, they could go there with that, you know, if Tony's got his team, what's left of it, and uh, <laughs> Cap's dare got his I, band. Dare I call them Captain America and the Outsiders? <laughs> <laughs> well, that, that, that was a good <laughs> That is a question that I had because Cap, Cap's letter at the end, you know, says, you know, he's glad that Tony is back, back at the Avengers compound because that's still part of his family. I'm like, Tony's there with Vision. Like, <laughs> who, else, who else is left there? Like, I think everybody else is with Cap. He's got Vision. Yeah. He's got Spider-Man on call, maybe. But he's got poor crippled Rhodey, and that's about yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, geez, I'm thinking. Of, what did what did everybody think of the vision? I don't think we've even mentioned the vision to this point. First of all, I mean, outside of his awesome sweater combos, <laughs> what, what everybody, I actually really enjoyed it. Well I, it is very, yeah, I, and I like that they're flat out going to do the romance. Mm-hmm. I, that's yeah. that's terrific. Another, it's like you got. There is no Marvel Comics storyline that the movies can't do at this point. <laughs> they're just. A, I mean, they're eventually going to have to bring in uh, what is it, Magda, that giant cow that's like the <laughs> babysitter for the two of them or something. Like, there's just there's no, there's no silliness in a Marvel comic that they can't just do at this point. I really Modoc. think. <laughs> Modok. Don't don't tease me. I want Modok. They're going to have to do Modok at some point. That. They're going to have to do Modok. I, I like, yeah. The back to the bins guys always say Louis Anderson is Modoc. Uh, <laughs> I, 
would I can see that. Pat Oswalt would make a great Modoc, but I can uh, see why well, there, no, no, I there you do. go. <laughs> Howard, Ron Howard. <laughs> Get that Baylock kid in here. Get him to do it. <laughs> um, as, as for the vision, I thought they did an appropriate job because he. Age of Ultron left you with the feeling that this guy is really powerful and sort of like Thor and Hulk. Like, it was a good thing that they weren't in this movie because you knew whatever side they're on is the side that wins. Um, right, yeah. So, they like, and when Vision is on one of those teams, it's like, okay, how does he not just end this with the snap of his fingers? But they did a good job with Wanda of, of basically giving him that weakness, not just with the Mind Stone that she can control that and she can basically, you know, put him through 30 stories of concrete into the Earth's core. Um, and I flashed on a line from the Simpsons movie. Well, you know, China's problem now. Um, <laughs> but, but like, the, not just that weakness, not just the physical weakness, but the emotional weakness. Right, right. And it causes a big problem at the end. I mean, it, it's his distraction, the fact that he feels sorry and, and he concerned for Wanda when she's hurt is what makes him screw up and accidentally hurt Rope. Yeah, uh, and I think that's a big deal, and and that is how you that is how you take him down a peg, so he's not overpowered. But you you give him this thing that he doesn't understand, which is just feelings, emotions, all the feels, and, and those are what weaken him. Yeah, and they yeah. said they really did. It's, it's, everybody got treated well here. Everybody got treated well. Um, you you mentioned you wanted to talk about Baron Zemo or just Zemo actually yeah. as he's called here. Yeah. What did you guys think of Zemo? He is I thought a little colorless. It's just that they don't give him the giant uh, burlap sack to wear over his head. <laughs> uh, I like Daniel Bruhl as an actor. He was tremendous in Inglorious Bastards. He was such a slimy piece of garbage in that movie. Uh, but he is. Compared to everything that's going on, he is a little on the dull side, just because he's just kind of a, a guy in the behind the scenes, and he's not a crazy villain. But I sort of appreciated that. I think it might have been too much. I've had you know at the end in the Siberia, he's you know he's standing there with the giant purple thing and the big fur coat, like I am Baron Zemo. He might have been like, all right, <laughs> enough, guys, come on. <laughs> yeah, I I, 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 I really. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, go, go ahead, Chris. You go. You go I was going to. I was going to say, I, I really, I, I thought it was interesting that I know he wasn't quite a normal guy. He was obviously, you know, had black ops experience and everything, but a, a normal person really did bring the Avengers down. I thought that was a, mm. you know, a very interesting way to go. I mean, he, you know, like you said at the end, did I, you know, then when Martin Freeman's like, well, you failed miserably, did I, you know? And uh, so I, I thought that was really a neat way to go with him. Yeah, I would have liked him had a face full of adhesive X at the end of the movie. You know, <laughs> you know I mean, you know, maybe later, you know, but I, I thought it was really cool that they did a total, uh, you know, left turn. You think, okay, we're going to have Cap, Iron Man, and Bucky fighting a whole slew of these crazy, angry super soldiers. And you walk in there and they all got bullets in their heads. Yeah, you oh, know? I love that turn. You think it's going one way and then you're, oh, no, no, that's not what this is. And it goes from okay, Tony's back on their side. It's it's Marvel team up time, and 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 then <laughs> and and then it's like, well, wait a minute. Now hold on. I know there's a scene where they're all fighting. The three of them are fighting, and Cap and Bucky are throwing the shield back and forth while their Iron Man's in the middle of them. We haven't seen that yet. Something happens here. What happens? And uh, I mean, he turned the screws on them, and I mean, it's yeah. I mean, it's it's if you if you probably if you probably examined his plot. You know, I've seen a few people say, well, 
you know, a lot of things have to fall into place for this to work. But, and I'm not, I know we said we weren't going to get into this, but unlike other movies that have been recently released, I can follow the logic of this plot. <laughs> Zemo didn't rely on Kryptonian technology to pull his plan up. Right, right, right. Yeah. So I, I, I really, I thought that was, you know, it wasn't what I expected. And, 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 and speaking of villains, I mean, Crossbones, they did a lot of merchandise on that guy. He's not in the movie much. No. <laughs> but, but you know, hey, that's cool. That that way you, you didn't know. I was like, wow, well, this isn't what I expected. I thought it would be Crossbones through the whole thing, like being the lieutenant of, of Zemo, you know, and mm-hmm. that did not happen. Ryan, what was your take on, on Zemo? I really liked him. Um, and getting back, like I, I knew him more from the movie Rush, which also starred Chris Hemsworth. Oh, right, Thor. right, right. Yeah. Um, it's a racing movie, and he, he's perfect. He really outshines Chris Hemsworth in that movie. Um, so I was excited to see him. And the people who – I think a lot of people – I've seen a lot of – as Chris mentioned, I've seen a lot of people say his plan doesn't make sense or he's just kind of like wasted. And I think the fact is he – like Tony is the antagonist, but Tony isn't the villain. Ultimately, Zemo is the villain, but his plan and his objective is so small that and so and so personal that you don't need to spend a whole lot of time with him. And as Chris said, like his motivation was clear; it might not have been spelled out until the very end, but I knew what he was trying to do the entire time. And maybe, like I, I understood from the Winter Soldier that Bucky was responsible for the death of Howard Maria Stark, and I knew there would be a reckoning. I know a lot of people didn't catch that because it went by really quickly. So I think a lot of people were surprised. I knew from Jump that that first scene, that prologue, when he's knocking out a car, I'm like, well, that's that's Howard Maria, that's him, and this is what Zemo is trying to get. He's trying to get the evidence, and he's bringing these characters together. Now, you can say his plan really depends on a lot of things going his way, and there's a lot of coincidence to this, but and this is why I said earlier that I think there's almost two plots in this movie. There's almost two stories because Zemo doesn't care about the accords, like the whole political, philosophical, the debate that Tony and Cap are having for the first two-thirds of this movie does not matter to him. He's not he, He's not trying to bring them down with international law. He's not trying to contribute to that battle at all. The fact that he blows up the United Nations during the signing of the Accords is incidental. He could have done any act of terrorism and blamed Bucky to flush them out. Also, and and Tony could have gone there with the entire Avengers. Like, the entire team of six or 12 could have gone to that Siberian base. It wouldn't have mattered. Ultimately, all his plan needed was he needed them in the room together when he shows that videotape. Because that was all he did. And he, and he said, I'm not going to fight the Avengers. Stronger men than me have failed doing that. And he said, you don't build an empire from the out, or you don't bring down an empire from the outside. It has to be rotten from within. Right, right, right. Yeah. yeah. And 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 yeah. When when he says, that, I was like, yeah, this is his thing. He's going to rip the heart out of the Avengers by driving this wedge by making so that Cap and Tony don't trust each other and hate each other, so that they can't be in the same room together. 
and and if it ends with them killing each other, so be it. If it doesn't, that doesn't matter. I don't think he cares. That's why he doesn't gloat. That's why he doesn't watch the fight. He leaves the room and goes out and he says goodbye to his family and he's going to kill himself because his mm. job is done. He's not mm. he's not he's not a mastermind in charge of world like looking for world conquering or world destruction. It's like he just wants to hurt these people in ways that they've never been hurt before. And he does that. He succeeds for for such a small, confined part in this movie. I think he is one of the better villains that Marvel has done. And I think a lot of people will miss that because he kind of gets lost in all of the spectacle. But if you pull his part out of this, he it's really damn good and it's really profound. Yeah, yep. the uh, the final shot of Iron Man in the movie – uh, is him laying there with his, you know, his armor cracked open and cap shield laying next to him, and he is framed by those giant stone pillars, mm-hmm. which look like the stars and stripes. I mean, they look like Cap's midsection, and mm-hmm. I couldn't help but think that that had to be on purpose. And I, and I, for for a, as the camera pulls out of that shot, I really thought that was going to be the last shot we get of Iron Man in the movie. And I was like, oh, no, that's really going to be like a haunting final image. And it's it's the last shot of Iron Man. It's not the last shot of Tony Stark, but it's the last shot of Iron Man. And I really thought that, boy, are they really going to end this movie on this downer? Like, And, and I'm like, if they did, it would have been fine. But I'm like, that really would have been a powerful thing. Because like, I generally don't pick up on that kind of those visual cues on the first time. I'm just kind of just watching the movie unfold. But that shot really jumped out at me of like, wow, this is this is a wounded Iron Man being framed by Captain America's Stars and Stripes. And I'm like, mm. yeah, they really dealt him a blow. And yeah, Zemo's plan comes pretty close to working. You know, w- way better than any of these, you know, Ultron or any of these other guys. Uh, yeah, it's it's a relatively simple guy who is just listening to his, you know, the final message from his... I love that reveal, too, that you find out that it, he's not talking to his family. He's listening to that right. same message. I thought that was a, yeah. a great little moment, too. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And like I mean he doesn't wear the mask. We don't see him in purple or pink. Um <laughs> but he is out for revenge and that's what Helmet Zemo wanted. Mm-hmm. Um that that character that he's named after. So I mean you could have called him any name. You didn't have to name him Zemo and you could have saved that name for another guy who shows up in in Infinity War wearing purple, but yeah, it didn't bother me. I thought he was fine. So yeah. It's uh it's really uh we could go on and on. I mean, but it really is such a remarkably fun movie. And, you know, it's like you can do heavy themes. You can do pretty, you know, kind of adult stuff, but still making it a lot of fun. Uh, you know, you don't have to do one or the other. Uh, I guess we should sort of wrap up here. Uh, before we do, there was one thing I want to mention because this is something Chris said a moment ago. And the, as we know now, anything is possible in the Marvel Universe. <laughs> I really think Marvel could do a yearly movie called Marvel team up where they just pick two random characters and put them on an adventure and it it has nothing to do with any ongoing storyline. And it's just like, Hey, this next year, black Panther and Spider-Man in a movie done year after that, we're going to do Iron Man and Thor. Like you really, I really think Marvel could get away with that at this point. Oh, sure. Yeah. I think so too. I'm kind of surprised they haven't thought of it. Honestly. I mean, why not? And, and you know, now that we've seen Spider-Man and we've seen and, – and, and as far as I understand, this next Spider-Man movie is going to be a Marvel movie. It's just going to be mm-hmm. distributed by Sony. Like Sony's creative – all the creative is being done by Marvel. Right. I mean, shouldn't Fox just sell the Fantastic Four back to Marvel? <laughs> yes, just God. give it up. Come on. You're never – I mean, they're never going to give up X-Men. That I get. 
But Fantastic Four, you've had three chances. You've screwed up every one of them. Just give them back. To just you know what? Strike the same deal. Just make the same damn deal. I'd, I'd love to see if if they could bring the FF in, and other people have said similar things. But the idea I kind of just love is is if they were from the '60s, that they had maybe teamed up with with Hank Pym's Ant Man, and oh, uh, yeah. mm-hmm. and they somehow you know go through the negative zone and then come out now. Uh, yeah, <laughs> and there they, you go. They've been lost since the '60s, and that way they're still like the the premier family of the Marvel universe, you know, and. And uh, you could even have a cute little moment where, you know, Cap meets the Human Torch and it's all weird. Uh, which, <laughs> which that seems like a lifetime ago, but, you know, hey. Uh, but, yeah, or, or I would love. Yeah, Submariner. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> get, Submariner. Get Namor in this. Do the Invaders yeah. movie. I still, every time I see uh, the first Avenger, when when the uh, Hydra agent goes down in the sub and Cap, you know, pulls him out, I keep waiting for Namor to show up. <laughs> <laughs> I think, I think Namor's I Oh, go ahead. Oh, I'm sorry. Go, go ahead. Go ahead. I'm sorry. You tweeted I, what? After the movie came out, I, I think I tweeted, um, I want Marvel to reacquire the rights to the Fantastic Four because I want them to reveal that every Stan Lee cameo in all of these movies is part of a Skrull invasion plot. <laughs> <laughs> Boy, FedEx really hires old drivers. I really, I, I don't know. I mean, the guy's 90. I think they shouldn't give him such a physically demanding job, but what do I know? You know? What? Well, Willie Lumpkin retired from the Postal Service, yeah. and then he took a job with FedEx. I mean, it's, you know, That's stick perfect. with what you know, right? <laughs> perfect. Those pension benefits don't last forever. That's true. Don't. That's true. So uh, we should wrap it up here. I mean, again, we could go on and on and on. Do, do we have any other final thoughts about this movie, about Captain America Civil War? Go see it. If you haven't seen it, go see it. If you've seen it, see it again. <laughs> and enjoy yourself. Enjoy a, a fun but thoughtful well-made superhero comic book movie. Yeah, piggybacking on that, I, I've seen it twice. I will see it a third time, I think, next weekend. Um, it, Like I said before, I didn't have a single problem with the movie. I liked every part of it, which is insane, because uh, I don't know. I just, I'm, I'm so happy with this. It blew me away. It might be my favorite Marvel movie, maybe. Yeah, I, uh, I'm looking so forward to Doctor Strange, and I have been for a long time, and I really looked at Captain America Civil War as like, oh yeah, that one's coming out too. And I, I didn't like dismiss it, but it was just not on my radar. I was like, oh, I can't wait to see it. And now I'm like, good lord, if Doctor Strange is like three-fourths as good as Civil War, this will be the best Marvel year they've ever had. I mean, I'm like, if they, if Doctor Strange is that entertaining. So, yeah, I, this movie just completely blindsided me. I had no expectations it was going to be this good. And, man, yeah, Chris Evans, just whatever you want, man. Whatever, however much money you want to pay, he wants Marvel, pay him. Just pay him. And I, I would love it, my personal thing, I would love it is after Infinity War. Because after Infinity War, how much bigger can you get? I would love to see a smaller cap movie. A small mm-hmm. <laughs> him on an adventure, just like go back to kind of a Winter Soldier thing, but even smaller than that. And they probably won't do that because it's always got to be bigger, bigger, bigger. But I feel like that they've they've had a pact with the audience now. The audience is you mean Marvel is is able to say we're going to have a movie with a talking tree and a raccoon that that, that can fire a gun, and you're going to buy that. And the audience is like, yeah, we can, you can do yeah. it. So it's like I would love to see Captain America and the Falcon. Just go on a little mini adventure, you know, yeah, and yeah, you don't have to make it bigger than that. Do again, do five more of these. That's fine by me. Well, yeah. that I think is one of my arguments for doing a Black Widow solo movie, because um, there the 
the question keeps being like, well, how much money is it going to make? How much money does it cost? You can do a Black Widow movie for the same amount as a Bourne movie. Those are like between 90 and $110 million, the most to make. That's, that's less than half of what this movie costs. So you can do that and make a return on that investment with Black yeah. Widow. Do it. Yeah, Scarlett Johansson can open a movie. They've already proved yes, she that. Can. So yes, yeah, she can. yeah, yeah. Um, I, I'm 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 up for anything. I would see, I would see any of these characters in a solo movie or a team up movie. And you know, if you bring in like uh, Charlie Cox from Daredevil TV show, I, mm-hmm. that'd be fantastic. And I guess, I guess all those guys, all the Netflix guys, are going to supposedly be in the the Infinity War movie because there's like supposed to be sixty some Marvel characters in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> So <laughs> finally get Hercules and Black Knight. Oh man, I was oh. about, I was about to say bring the champions involved in this. Get them in there. <laughs> yeah. Get the rights back to Ghost Rider. Who the hell's got those? Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah, yeah really. Yeah. Actually, I think yeah. Marvel does have those rights back. They're just sitting on them cuz there's oh, no okay. urgency. But... Yeah. Right, uh, right. I, one thing I will say before we leave Captain America. I I really want it's been long enough, guys. Where's the Red Skull? Come on. You know, Red yeah. Skull needs to come back. I mean, it's Captain America. You got to bring back the Red Skull at some point. Maybe so, they're saving uh, him. Yeah, maybe they're saving him. I hope so. Yeah. That would be amazing. Yeah. So yeah, it's a terrific movie. It's just absolutely wonderful. So uh, we're going to wrap it up here. As always, if you want to find our show, the Film and Water Show, it's on Twitter, Film and Water Pod, and you can always leave a comment over on our network site, which is fireandwaterpodcast.com. Contact. Uh, use the uh, contact page or you can email us at firewaterpodcast at conquest.net. Now, guys, I'm going to do something a little different. I want you to plug each other's shows. So, Ryan, where can people find Chris on the internet? Oh, is this like a, a team building exercise to see how well we know each other? <laughs> I, I'm going to have Chris fall backwards and we're going to catch him. <laughs> oh, man, if I screw this one up, then it's, it's fire and water civil war. <laughs> yeah. You can find Chris Franklin and his wonderful wife, Cindy, and occasionally their son, and the Supermates podcast, which is part of the Fire and Water Podcast Network. You can also find Chris, along with Rob, on the Power Records podcast, both of which are available at fireandwaterpodcast.com. Well done. Chris, where can you find Ryan on the internet? Well, real quick, before I introduce Ryan, I will want to say that you and Rob, you and I screwed up because we should have waited and covered the one Captain America power record when this movie came out because it I, has Zemo. I know, I know. Oh, <laughs> but anyway, you can find Ryan on the Fire and Water Network as well, and he hosts Give Me Those Star Wars, Power Fishnets, and the Secret Origins podcast. Very good, very good. And Chris and his wife will be on the next episode of Secret Origins whenever that comes out. That's right. <laughs> it's a few weeks late, but it will be out soon. Very exciting. <laughs> so, uh, guys, uh, I don't know about you, but I think this first meeting of the He-Man Shag Haters Club went really well. <laughs> <laughs> I- I'd say we do this again every month. I'd be totally up for that. So, uh, <laughs> so. <laughs> Guys, thanks for both doing the show, and especially at, at, at a moment's notice. I really didn't necessarily have a plan to re- review this on the show because I just thought I'll like it, I won't love it, and I don't want to do a whole show on this. But the minute I saw it, I was like, I got to talk about this. This movie is just freaking fantastic. So <laughs> thank you both for coming on and, and said it's such short notice. I really appreciate it, and I had a lot of fun. Thank you uh, for having too. us. Awesome, yep, guys. Thank you so much, and uh, all right, everybody. Well, thanks so much for listening. Go see Captain America Civil War like I need to tell you that. Uh, And until next week, that's a wrap. Morning. Evans? Danny?
Is that the last donut with red, white, and blue sprinkles? What did I tell you would happen if you ate the last donut with red, white, and blue sprinkles? A little foggy on it, but I think it was something like raining down hellfire. That's right. And here I am without an umbrella. I feel a storm brewing. Hold on, if we don't play that back, I'm canceling the press tour.